This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, the Toronto Rock are 4-0, the Albany Firewolves are 6-0, and their captain Colton Watkinson will join us to talk about what it's like going from a 3-win team to a 6-win team. We'll break down week 7, set you up for week 8, and give you another round of box bets. All that and more on OTCB. Pat Gregoire, my name is Teddy Jenner, and boy, have we got an absolute beauty for you tonight. Greer takes his time and converts. Gretzky's dogs, it might be their night tonight. 6.20 to go. Here comes Dean Smith. Over now to Josh Byrne. The shot he scores. Two in a row by Josh Byrne. And four in a row by the Bandits here. Knocks a couple of fakes. And he puts it in, making a new season high 13 goals for PCLC. They're back on top by four. Jason Knox, welcome to the league, young man. You never know quite, there's a shot and a goal. Austin starts with a natural hat trick in the first six minutes of the game. Cook, now Jesse King. Minsky takes away the top. King on the shovel. Cook on the sub. Scores! There's five for the Cookie Monster. Now Rogers backs off, swings it up. Craig shoots, scores! My goodness, that is absolute filth from Dan Craig as he picks the top corner. Here comes the lead ahead. Shot, score! A shorty for Albany and a 4-1 lead. And again, is that Colton Watkinson with goal number two, I believe? The Albany Firewolves and Toronto Rocks still atop the National Cross League standings as the only undefeated teams as we enter week, what are we, nine of the National Cross League season? Week eight, we are just rolling along. Uh, he is Pat Gregbar. Find him on Twitter, at Pete Greggy. I'm Teddy Jenner, at Teddy Jenner, the show, at OTCB underscore podcast, or on the Instas at OTCB podcast. Uh, Patty, busy week for you. Uh, Bandits win, Leafs lose, and a big showing uh, with the boys on Daily Dive. Uh, how the hell are you, man? I'm doing good. First off, uh, I guess we might as well just rip the Band-Aid off. You already talked about the <laughs> Leafs' loss. You jinxed it, man. Your fault. You put out that stupid community meme, and it, I was just saying, like does. it was, uh, it was. Oh, 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 not allowed to chirp. I, I mean, I didn't say the Leafs are going to blow the door. It was just twenty-five seconds into the game. Austin Matthews scores. Yeah, you know, you should saying. know it's the Oilers. We get scored on the first minute in seventy-five percent of our games. It's nothing new. We're used. That's why we show up late. We but don't want to also- see that first garbage goal. But that's why I made an observation. Someone replied to me, well, Leafs leads don't mean anything. I replied and said, yep, that's true. And look what happened. Absolutely. The team, the team's a mess. Um, they can't defend a lead. Uh, it's, it's, it's not great. I know he's a, a lacrosse guy, but John Tavares only has one five-on-five goal since they've returned from Sweden. I saw that today on Twitter. He's struggling. Um, he, he's struggling. He's struggling. And I mean, when a guy that you pay that much is struggling that hard, it's it's real tough to to have any sort of sense of, of success. You can't even blame it on the goaltending situation, man. Martin Jones has been a stud. He's their third string goalie. 
they should be way out of it, man. They, they should be way, way out of it. But let's let's besides like the sky is falling, Leafs take here. That was a really good hockey game. That it was, was unbelievable, really, man. That was an was. unreal hockey game. The fans were electric. The dueling let's go Oilers goalie go <laughs> chance. Like yeah. with the exception of a really bad five minutes from the Toronto Maple Leafs, that might have been one of the best games I've watched all year. Yeah, and I don't want to say so many Oilers games lately have been like that, especially on this 11-game win streak, but we were – Slow out of the gate against Montreal. We're slow out of the gate against Detroit. Slow out of the gate against Chicago. Slow out of the gates against the Leafs. And, you know, we, we even say it on this show, good teams find ways to win. And Drysaddle said it after the game. He's like, you know what? We're kind of getting used to be in this position. It's not a spot we want to be in. But the fact that we know that we can come back, we stay positive, and, and we just keep putting pucks on net, good things will happen. And, the Oilers have thankfully done that. Skinner's playing unreal. Um, Zach Hyman's like, if you know, if we didn't have Connor McDavid going to be like our team MVP, you got to think it's Zach Hyman, you know, former Leaf guy that has been absolutely unbelievable this year. Like, he might lead be one of the top goal scorers in the league by the end of the season. Um, but yeah, it was a, a crazy game and I had a couple buddies in town. I'm sure you, uh, I think Dusty was at that game. Um, your buddy, uh, just the atmosphere there was unreal. And when you do get those dueling chances, it's like when the when Leafs really go anywhere across Canada, you always will get those dueling chances that just add to the environment and energy of the game. And it was playoff like hockey. And I know I saw somebody on Twitter imagine a playoff game between the Leafs and the Oilers at some point. Like, how crazy would that be? I mean, Leafs are a far, far cry away from that. But, man, if, if that could happen, that would be so good for hockey, so good for, for Canada. But just um, think, we started the season terribly. Yeah. Sky was falling. We fired our head coach. Like, it was bad to start. And now we've oh, yeah. won 11. We're sniffing down, knocking down L.A.'s door for a playoff spot. It just sucks that Edmonton and Winnipeg are just running away with things out west right now. But, man. The Leafs can turn it around. There's just like the others. There's too much talent. Um, got to figure out your goaltending, just like we had to. And you guys will be fine. Don't panic, man. It's okay. And plus, he still got your bills. Still got the bills. Still got. Are the you bills. really going to go to the game this weekend? I'm debating it. I'm, I'm debating it. Charlie Grusa is going to the game. Um, working on some potential tickets there. Um, nice. well, I saw him with I, uh, Joey Rez at the game. Yes. Just yeah. Like looking and- there like on an Arctic adventure with the, the ski coat and goggles and toques and balaclavas and scarves. Like what a scene that was, man. Oh yeah. Nuts. Absolutely nuts. I'm just nervous to go. Cause I don't want to mush them be in the crowd and, and <laughs> maybe the reason why they, they end up up losing. Is so it I Saturday might just- or Sunday? Sunday, so I might just stay in the comfy confines of uh, of Shea Greggy and and watch yeah. the game from here with Rudy. But I really want to go. That looked incredible. It looked freezing cold. Yeah. Um, and and in all seriousness, <laughs> uh, just want to wish everyone in Western New York, uh, in the Erie yeah. County, Buffalo, you know, just to sit, stay safe and and you know 
continue to to travel when when you can and, and when you're p- permitted to and the travel bans are serious they're they're out there for a reason um we saw what happened last december uh, absolutely tragic 40 plus lives um were lost due to it and i think a lot of people that maybe aren't close to the situation when they announced that the game was getting changed that freaking out saying like this is why buffalo needs a dome like yeah crazy yeah. It's like, well, the dome doesn't change the situation around trying to yeah. get to the game, right? Yeah. So, just just think before you tweet, think, <laughs> before you run your mouth, think about the big picture of things. Like, I I lived in Rochester for two years playing with the Nighthawks. I lived in Erie going to Mercer. It's like I know how bad those lake effect snowstorms can be, man. man. It it is palatial. So yeah, um, stay safe, everybody. And if you are traveling, just take your time. No rush. Um, all right, let, let's get into the bulk of things here. Uh, week seven of the National Cross League um, was a busy one. And let's start with your game, Toronto-Halifax. Uh, we had Mackie on the show last week. She did an incredible job in her first game on TSN. But maybe uh, a, a better performance was Challenge Rogers and – uh, you put it in one of our group chats that so we really need to start talking about him as an MVP candidate in National Crossing. An MVP candidate and in the conversation of best players on the planet, because yep. when you think of lacrosse player and what he's able to do, it's it's remarkable. Um, two goals, three assists. One of those goals were just ridiculous putting – Tyson Bell, who's one of the top one-on-one coverage guys in the game, on skates, swims them, yeah. and, and finishes with a beauty twister. Um, mind you, two goals on four shots as well. Six loose balls, two blocks. Um, they only had him down for one cause turnover, which I don't think was correct. Uh, but yeah. he was phenomenal, man. Uh, he was covering Randy Stott's one shift and yeah. you know running up the floor, playing offense. And going back and sitting on the bench for only a couple of seconds. And going out on ball team, picking up a loose ball, going back to the bench. Okay, now you're going to just go out the O-door this shift. You know, play a shift of offense. Okay, now you're going back on the the D-door. And oh yeah, now you're going on the other side of the floor this time. And then you're going to go up against Randy Stotts. Like, it was... It was bouncing back, not just from end to end, but he was also going side, side to side in the defensive, yeah. and just a, just unbelievable what we're we're seeing from him this year. I saw he was practicing this week with a black jersey on because the O was wearing their their blue, D was yeah. wearing uh, white, and he had the black jersey on because he just bounces back between <laughs> sides. Um. I love the fact that you guys isolated it on the broadcast uh, of him and Jammer, the two captains, just going at it, scrapping for every inch of turf. You you could see the importance of the game and just how those captains were, were going at each other. And I like it to, you know, the, the Jerome Aginla days where he would just go right after anybody and he was in your face all game long. Just an ultimate performance from Challen Rogers and Nick Rose continues to be an underrated goaltender in this league. I, I don't, we all know he's fantastic, but like he doesn't get the credit and it sucks that he's played in a generation of Vino and Mordo um, who've been winning these goalie of the year awards. And like, I just, it's gotta be 
a year. Like him and Dougie are probably battling out just the way their teams are playing. But he continues to just play a simple, steady game. And we talked about it the other week when he made that ridiculous save um, on the TSN game. He he can make those. He, he doesn't look like he can, but he is uber flexible and, and uber athletic in his body type. He just doesn't look like it, and he, he's not flashy, but I don't think there is a quicker, like, motion of outlets maybe cdb but how many times does dell or does rosie make that save quick boom up right out of his stick like he is so quick with it and that's a huge reason why toronto's transition game is such a success and gave halifax problems so i think there's got to be as much as we're talking about challenge for mvp rosie for goal of the year is definitely uh, a run that's going to have to be made it, it has to, and, and head over to our friend Ty Marrow, um, either on Twitter or to his website, Ty, Ty Marrow and, and check out the goal saved uh, against average. Um, it's remarkable. I think he's at like 11 something. Yeah. The next guy is not even close. Like what he's doing from an analytic standpoint for mm. goaltenders. He's at 11.09. The next is Jameson at 5.64. Um, <laughs> so it's crazy. I know we they were not analytic guys, but break down goal save against average for people that don't. So if you think of like uh, war wins uh, above replacement in baseball, think of it for, for goalies. So basically it's the amount of goals a goalie makes, or if you're in the negative, the less saves a goalie makes than a league average goalie, similar to wins above replacement, an average player. So an average goalie. So for example, that means that Nick Rose uh, stops 11 more than the league average. And let's say looking uh, here at one of the negative goalies, uh, Warren Hill, he's letting five more goals than a league average goal. So, that just goes to show you he's 11 saves more than the average goalie's expectation of saves is. That, that, that's just remarkable. And the fact that Doug Jamison's in only at a five, which I don't want yeah. to say only because that's impressive. Yeah. But that just goes to show you how good Nick Rose is playing right now. Yeah. Uh, analytics don't win awards, but if people look at the numbers, it's definitely clear of how amazing – Nick Rose is playing. Uh, before we move on quickly, uh, the Birds have lost three straight. Um, again, you're around that team. Is, is there panic? Is there worry? Is there concern? It still doesn't seem like it. Like, like maybe there should be, but I think Mackie said it brilliantly last time she was on the program here. She said, like, the vibe hasn't changed after two. I don't think the vibe changed after this game either. Like, I think if they went – and laid an egg on Friday night at home, it would be different. But they went toe-to-toe with this Rock team. With the exception of a really bad first quarter where they lost 5-1, they either beat or tied the Rock in every other quarter. And right. I, I just think that slow start killed them. The fact that they played right into Toronto's hands um, killed them. The, Toronto wanted them to play fast. Toronto got up in their faces four shots early in the clock. Um you know, had some opportunities in transition, although I don't think they scored in that. I think the the Mitch DeSnew goal was one of the only quick transition goals that they scored early on. Um, they spread out the defense. 
Um, they attacked the middle of the floor, but once Halifax settled in, they were fine and they were in the game. And, you know, mm-hmm. a couple of goals is the difference. And it's unfortunate for, for the, for the Thunderbirds that they drop one where they probably feel if they play half, you know, maybe even half as well as they did in that, the, the rest of the game in that first quarter, it could be a different story. Also no Austin uh, Shanks, which was a big blow to the offense. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's panic, but I think there's a sense of maybe urgency that, you know, to stop the bleeding at some point here and they'll get a great opportunity, use the bye week to, to allow some of those guys who are banged up. I know there were a few guys that had no choice, but to play. Cause you know, Luke Magnum's hurt. He didn't play, but I, I know there's some other guys that were dealing with some bumps and bruises that because Shanks wasn't able to get there because Magnum was out, like yeah. they had to just go at it. So a week off is going to do them great. Um, but they got a tough challenge going up against a Rochester team that I don't want to say is, is also desperate or panicking, but I think they realize that they're going to have to score a lot of goals in the national lacrosse league this year. If, if they're going to want to win some games. San Diego be or lose this Las Vegas, a similar to Halifax, a slow start for San Diego. Um, but a huge confidence builder for this Las Vegas club who has struggled. And it was probably their best game. The game against Panther city, they won an overtime. They probably like ultimately should have lost that game. Um, but they found a way to win. But this was their most complete effort and probably the the best we've seen from Jack Hanna and the best we've seen from Landon Kells. By far, Kells was was phenomenal. He he was great. When, when Vegas started to kind of go in a funk there, he just shut the door and, and did not allow San Diego's offense uh, to get confident and to, to get going. Outside of Westburg, like, I mean, really the offense was was pretty underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dane Doby only had one goal. Uh, Curtis Dixon, zero. Austin Stotts, zero. Jake Covet, zero. Um, I mean, again, Kyle Jackson had three. So I guess you could say Jackson and Berg were the only ones really offensively yeah. that got anything going. Um, and that's very uncharacteristic for a team that at least has like two or three, maybe even four sticks humming at once. Like we've seen – Curtis Dixon go quiet. We've seen Stotts go quiet. We've just never seen it at the same time. Yeah. Um, and so kudos to Sean Williams and his coaching staff for for building a great game plan uh, for this this Vegas team. But I think if you ask them, it's like, yeah, great game planning. But it just felt like the effort was there from start to finish. The twelve round boxer mentality that mm-hmm. they have was there because in in games this year, even in the Panther City game that they won, it feels like the energy would be down when they were down. Yeah, yeah. The, the energy was was up from start to finish, and they this is a team that has to play with energy, whether it's the offense. Sure, Jack Hanna's shot starting to sink definitely helps, I'll be honest, but they need to play with energy. They need to, to play with speed, and they did that on both sides of the ball, and it showed by them getting a win. Uh, it also helps energy when you play with the lead. That That's always a good thing as well. Um, Saturday night, Riley Hushcraft is keeping Rochester in games. Um, they've lost their last two. 
they start off, off hot. Obviously, the injuries to Ryland Hartley is massive, and, and Hutchie's doing his best. But that was, again, much like Vegas, a complete Buffalo Bandits win, and they rode momentum that entire game. Are the Bandits officially back? I'm, I'm reluctant to say they're back back but they're definitely on the roadmap to being back i think if you ask the defense and despite with how good rochester's been offensively i think they wouldn't would prefer not to have a 13 spot hung on them but when your your offense has the capabilities to score upwards to 15 goals you can afford it Uh, but there's going to be times where the offense goes dry for the bandits at times and we saw the way they won that championship last year. Yes, don't get me wrong. Dane Smith was unbelievable. Josh Byrne came in game three to save the day. But ultimately, it was Matt Vince and that defense that won that championship. So they're going to want to t- tidy things up on the back end. So that's why I'm reluctant to say they're back back. But again, they're still missing some key pieces on the defensive side. But the offense looked great. The offense felt more like that that bandits team that when they catch fire, when they get confident, it's tough to stop. But man, I feel for Rochester three and two right now, two losses in a row. Hachi's been playing solid, but like, again, 13 goal, like you got to find a way to make those stops. And it's not necessarily the stops, meaning just the goalie, the defense needs to be better too. The defense has to, to lock things down. uh, And we're just not seeing that right now from the Nighthawks. No Dan Coates has hurt them defensively as well. Uh, remember, this is a Rochester team that started last year 0-6 and then got into injury troubles and stumbled the rest of the way. Um, so for Mike Hazen and his group, the the plan is to just reset, refocus, and, and kind of get right the ship this weekend coming up against the Halifax Thunderbirds. Uh, where are we next? Uh, Panther City goes on to Long Island and beats the Riptide. Uh, the teams combined for eight of nine on the power play. Um, it was just an incredible showing by the special teams. Uh, Riptide, kind of a, a regress. Uh, again, slow start. They were able to kind of battle their way back. Um, but Callum Crawford, we talked about John Rogers being MVP. Uh, sure, Panther City two and three, but look at Callum's numbers 23 points. In five games, he is playing some real nice lacrosse for a guy who is quote unquote washed. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, I don't know if I would say MVP, but certainly what we're seeing from him is he's showing no signs of slowing down. I think, and again, credit, credit to Crawford. Um, for what he's doing because it is it is impressive and and you know he again seems to have this capability where he can just kind of take over games and, and score big goals we saw him do that earlier on in the game when when Panther City started to really feel themselves and start to you know get that that lead but for me I talked about how this team had no identity anymore they were yeah. the plucky underdogs they and, and you know, no one believes us. It's Panther City against the world. You know, the the, the sleeping Panther, whatever you, whatever cliches you want to throw out there. I think that's gone. I think it's it's done. And they're trying to find a, an identity. We know they're hardworking. That's we're never going to discredit that. But I think maybe that the identity that they were leaning on was the fact that Donville and Crawford were doing too much. Yeah. 
and they weren't getting secondary scoring. Yeah, Will Malcolm, you can put him in there. He had a five-point performance. But the the big thing for me was was Knox coming to life. And that what yes. what a, a big boost to that offense if he can start shooting like that. Four goals, one assist, uh, shooting 50, 50% as well. I think he only had the eight shots on for those four goals. That's the Knox that I remember from junior. That's the Knox that I, I remember seeing in the President's Cup for Oakville like the catch and release guy. Sure, he can do all the crashing and the bang on the inside, but then when he gets an opportunity, he's going to cash in. And if he can become that secondary scoring source, this Panther City team is going to be on a good trajectory here. On the flip side, though, New York, uh, again, this this team is so, so tough to figure out. When you think they made strides, okay, they're going to put, they're going to go on a run here. This is the turnaround point. They just came out so flat, and kudos to them for making that push in the second half. But they just—they're not a team that can afford to sleepwalk through any sort of quarter. They got to give a full sixty from start to finish, or team's going to put them away. Um, Georgia had a step back. Uh, maybe their worst showing: uh, eight goals against, or eight goals for against Doug Jamison and the Albany Firewolves. But again, the Albany Firewolves finding ways to win lacrosse games. And, you know, it, Simmons, sure, he had five points. Longboat had five points. Marshall Paulus had four points. They are a deep offensive scoring team that is giving everybody problems. Every time they come up against an opponent, we're like, okay, this is the one. And I think that's kind of why the better the betting odds have been the way they are because – Sure, always. this is going to be the game. They're going to come back down to earth. But they don't, and they keep finding ways to win. And Glenn Clark continues to find game plans to stifle the opposing team's offenses. This was a wonderful, wonderful executed game plan by the Albany Firewolves, who are now 6-0 and to start the season. I I totally agree when you t- talk about now this this depth scoring and, and the capabilities that anyone can go off for Albany. But for me, I'm I'm hanging my hat if I'm if I'm Albany here. This was won by defense, and this was won by Doug Jamison. What this defense was able to do and and stifle this red hot offense. Sure, Lyle got a goal and an assist, or three goals and an assist. But at the end of the day, a four point performance for Lyle is okay. Like we're, we're used to seeing him put up big numbers. Uh, Shane Jackson, no goals on just four shots. Uh, Andrew Q, one goal on eight shots. Uh, the Albany defense just suffocated this team. The youth, the speed, the aggression was able to really just kind of put a fork or, uh, uh, you know, a, a wrench, I should say, into this offensive flow that we've been seeing. Uh, Zach Young is emerging to be yeah, he's been unreal. A, a stud. Clem Durazio talking to him uh, a little bit earlier this week. He compared him to Robert Hope. He said what he saw out there felt very Robert Hopey esque, and that is high praises for a youngster. Not gonna try to throw any hot takes out here because what we're seeing from Kurtz and Simmons is really impressive. Um, Simmons on the trajectory to have one of the best rookie seasons ever. But what we're seeing from, from Young over the last couple of weeks, if he can continue carrying on, he's not going to win an, a, a rookie of the year. He's probably not even going to be up for it. 
But what he's able to do to, to go up, match up against the top opponents uh, on their offense each and every game, the fact that his his coaching staff has the faith for him to go out and do it, um, it's it's impressive. It's not quite as impressive as Simmons lighting the lamp like he is, but it's not yeah. too damn far behind. What, you don't think Simmons is going to win MVP and Kurtz will win Rookie of the Year? Oh, boo, boo, <laughs> boo. It could happen. <laughs> no way. No, no way. Uh, no um, way. San Diego comes off the loss to Vegas. Um, I don't know if they traveled right after the game or they flew out the next morning. Um, but Colorado now one and four to start the year. Uh, their offense just doesn't look comf- comfortable or confident. Um, sure, no Ryan Lee, but you bring in a, a serviceable replacement in Jack Kelly, but something's just not right, um, and it's giving them issues. But on the other side, Audie Stott scored one of the fastest natural hat tricks in league history in just over six minutes. Uh, that guy can take over a game whenever he wants to. It, it is ridiculous how just unstoppable he can be at times, especially trying to get underneath. He's a freak, man. He's so big. He's so strong. He's relentless taking the ball to the net. And his hands, his vision, his shooting, he can shoot around you. Like There are so many times we've seen Audie Stotts just backing up a guy and, and it looks yeah. like the defense has him in his back pocket and he just reaches around or he just shoots over, pushes one hand on the stick. He just finds a way to get his shot. And when, when his stick heats up, he is one of the most hot shooters in the mm-hmm. game. And we, we've said it so many times, whether it's on this show, on the broadcast, he just loves to score goals. And when he's feeling himself, he is virtually on stoppable and that was a little bit more of the 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 effort that we expected uh for the seals and i don't know if if they traveled the next day whatever they did certainly worked and we're talking a lot about like mvps potential mvps i didn't mention the first time we talked about the seals but like westberg's got to be at least Mm -hmm. you know buzzing around there 30 points in five games 34 loose balls as uh, as a forward um, he's consistently, we've seen guys take, I don't want to say tight nights off. That's not fair. We've seen guys not have great games. Berg has been consistent through all five yeah. games. He's a captain. He's a leader. He's, he, he is, he plays the game with it, uh, you know, a, an edge to him. He's got to be there. And especially if the seals find themselves near the top of the, uh, unified standings, I think he, it will, it will, he will be in that conversation and he probably should have been in that conversation last year. There just were so many ridiculous performances. There's yeah. only a so amount of, of, of votes that can go, go around. Yeah. Um, my hot take for this week brought to you by warrior burning take was that you could lock the top five teams into the playoffs right now, not where they will finish, but, Albany, Toronto, Georgia, Buffalo, San Diego, those five teams, they're in the playoffs. Put an X by their name. It's Yeah, it's only going into week eight. We're at the third-way mark of the season, but those two, those five teams just seem to me have the ability to be playoff teams, and they're going to fit right into the playoffs. You can just mark them in, book it, we're good, moving on. Whether it's a hot take or not, 
That's how I feel. I think it's I think it's a hot take. I think it's a great take, but I think it's it's a hot take because let's I, I know we're kind of going out of order here, Teddy. But I like this discussion that you you, you started, and if you like the discussion, comment on the video, get the chatter going. <laughs> That's what this is for. But Albany, you could argue that they're due for aggression, but the fact that they started the season off with six wins, like realistically, they really only have to win what three more games to get to nine, yeah. nine and nine. And that probably gets you in the postseason. Toronto, they're four and oh, they're not going to run the table being undefeated, but you know, they haven't even played perfect lacrosse yet this season. And they're still unscathed. No Tom Schreiber, no, no Corbeil. Latrell Harris isn't playing. I don't know if we see him at any point this year, but I mean, if they could get another boost, that'd be incredible. <laughs> They'll be there. Georgia, maybe you make make an argument there. Like the team that we saw yeah. last game, does that creep in a little bit more? I don't know. Buffalo, don't need to expound on that. Defending champs, they're they're going to figure things out offensively. We think we, maybe they did against Rochester. And then San Diego, uh, championship aspirations. You look at the roster, the only big question mark coming of the year was Chris O'Reilly, and he's been fine. He's been more than yeah. fine. He's been solid. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I think that's fair. It's just the Rochester's, the Calgary, the Philly, Vegas, Halifax, Panther City, Saskatchewan, Colorado, and, and New York. Like there's – oh, I guess Rochester has three wins. Everyone else either has two or one wins. Like it is so tight. And yep. even though we said like, man, early losses are, are going to really hurt you at the start of the uni- unified standings, the fact that a lot of teams are kind of in the same spot, it almost yeah. – helps that if you do start slow right now is probably when you need to start picking up victories because you're going to be able to leapfrog some teams pretty quickly. Calgary cruises over Vancouver as Kurt Mosky goes up against his former club. Uh, there is incredible audio of mouse from that post game. Uh, he is always must listen because um, he is always brutally honest. I think the Roughnecks have kind of found their rhythm again. Um, they've played two really good games as of late. They go on to Colorado this weekend. They could get to above 500. But I think the bigger question is, and unfortunately it's been a question for Vancouver for the last few years, is how can they solve their goalie issues? And what is the plan? Are they just kind of sitting, sitting idly by to either Aiden Walsh or Connor O'Toole can finally step in? Or do they go out and get somebody? But – we were talking about there's, there's not a lot of guys out there to try and go get. There's not a lot of, you know, starting goaltenders in the waiting playing number two roles across the National Lacrosse League. So I'm, I'm not sure what Kurt Miloski can do, but it, it's going to have to be an issue. Aaron Bold is one of the greatest humans I've ever met in my life. But when he has those moments of lapses, it, it compounds one after the other. And it just, it's deflating. So I, I totally agree. I definitely think goaltending is is issue number one with this team. And I, I, I that was the thing that I kind of said, like, I'm surprised they're they're going with, you know, Walsh and Bold again. And, you know, Bold has, has shown this year at times in some of these games, yeah, he has been been solid, but... For a team that's going to be fighting for, for your playoff lives, you need a little solidity, you know, you need to be solidified in the back end. You can't yeah. be, you can't be having these up and down games. And and uh, Walsh again, kind of was you know put in a, a tough spot. 
you know, going in there, but you know, he, it's not like he really slammed the door shut either. But with that being said, I think it's very unfair to just say with a good goalie, this team solves all their issues. Like there's still a lot of issues with this, this warriors team. Um, Kyle Killen, only one goal. Keegan Ball again, um, no Killen, goals. Yeah, I think Killen's got two. Ball's got five, but Killen two goals on twenty three shots. Ball five on thirty four. Like those guys have to be better. The ball, yeah, they do. And those are that's that's those are the righties. Those are the guys that you know were here last year, and those were the two guys that when you know. Crowley comes in and when they start building out that back door, like everyone's saying, well, you know, ball was there last year, filling the net, you know, Kyle killing every single season. Like, you know, he's easy, you know, 25 to 30 goals, no problem. Um, but the right side Crowley's been fine. Although only a goal and an assist last game, um, the, the righties have to find a way to be better. They ha- and it's not that they're not getting their chances. They're getting their looks. You mentioned the, the shooting, like, but ball, eight shots on goals, zero goals. McCauley on the, like going to the lefties, McCauley tough to judge in his first game where he probably yeah. only had, you know, one practice, but Charlambides, it felt like he was really making some good strides the last few games, looking electric, just one goal. Like the, the offense just, when the offense is goes cold, man, this offense goes real cold. And when it's yeah, hot, true. it's electric. Right. They need to find some sort of balance where they're not just – it's just so Jekyll and, and Hyde with this team. Mm-hmm. they got to find a way to have more consistency because we're seeing how good it is at times. We're not expecting them to just light the lamp each and every game but find some sort of level because it's just, it's too night and day, man. Yeah. And and you're right. It's not fair to put this all on Boldy um, because the offense hasn't been great. And I think McCauley will add some grit and some, some size to that group once he gets comfortable in that offense, but you got to find ways like Killen was missing the net, like on, on just wide open shots, just missing the net. And Ball is seeing a lot more attention. Um, and at times it looks like he's trying to do too much on his own. He's, he's carrying the ball a whole lot and gets stuck in his stick a bit. So one and four out of the gate for Vancouver, not ideal. Um, but they've shown signs and glimpses of being able to put it all together. Um, so for all their fans, uh, let's hope they can figure it out uh, moving forward. I want to ask you this because I noticed it when it happened. Um, Biles and Clark go in the opening quarter of Rochester Buffalo. Theed and Holstrauser go in the opening quarter of Halifax, Toronto. Do you think those were premeditated? Because neither game seemed out of hand. Neither team really like needed an extra, or maybe it was teams needing a boost, but it's not like someone was like down six goals and they needed a spark. Do you think those guys talked about it beforehand and said, "Hey, let's get it, let's get it done"? Uh, I, I, you know, I. It's hard to say. Like I, I feel like you know that part of of the game is is gone and past, but it certainly felt a lot like it when you see Steed and. 
Seton Hosrauser drop the gloves at, at center and, and throw down and same things with Biles and Clark and both of them just yeah, phenomenal fights, um, yeah. like giving big time throwback vibes. Um, I, I think you could maybe make an argument though that like Theed was looking to give a jolt to his team because they did sure. come out really flat. They were down two nothing and they score like literally the next possession. Um, so maybe that was a spark he was looking for, but I mean, you'd be crazy not to at least think there was a, a discussion, there was a look, there was something. And even, even if it's not premeditated, I mean, Biles sees that Clark's in the lineup. He knows who Clark is. He knows at some point he's going to have to go. Maybe with Theed and, and Hostrauser with Theed being such an important part of the offense and, Hostrauser being such an important part of the defense, maybe it's not so much, but you got to think that that whether they're – I'm not saying they're sliding in, into each other's DMs during the week and saying, all right, like, <laughs> let's do this thing, but there had to have been some sort of discussion at some point. Yeah, I just I just found that it was, the timing just seemed a little weird for me with both with both fights, but I, I loved it. You know, you know me, I'm a big fan of – two guys dropping the mitts and, and not hurting anybody but themselves, the old Don Cherry line. Um, but, yeah, I, I I was fine with it. I thought they were two good fights. Uh, I thought that it was just at a point of a game that just kind of seemed odd to me. But that's just the way my brain thinks. Uh, that is a not-so-positive if you think of trying to get fighting out of lacrosse. But we've got some things that will brighten up your day. Oh, yeah. Got to stay positive. We gotta give him that. Positive vibes only. All right, positive vibes only. Uh, if you were following the Calgary Roughnecks social media uh, after the game against Vancouver, they put out a fantastic clip where it's just Josh Sanderson reading off a guy's resume, playing for the Calgary Roughnecks, leader in games played, longtime assistant captain, original draft pick played the right way, all these accolades and accomplishments and characteristics. Like, what's he talking about? And then they say, this guy's going to read our starting lineup for the game, and the door swings open, and in walks Dr. Curtis Manning. I just thought it was a nice touch by Shooter to bring a guy back that meant so much to that organization um, and gave him sort of that opportunity. You could see the the, the surprise and the the excitement and the joy in those guys' faces that knew the doctor and and just how excited they were. And it was just a, a really cool moment. Um, Curtis isn't a very energetic guy, so he didn't exactly put 150% into reading the starting lineups. But I thought it was just a cool touch by Shooter to, to bring somebody back like that um, and give the team a, a little jolt to start that game. And it obviously worked. Yeah, it was great. Uh, you know, I, uh, I'd love to see more teams do that stuff when, you know, especially the, the unique circumstance where not every player lives in market. So when you're in the market of maybe, you know, the visiting team and, and someone's in town, like, I think that's great. I, I think it's great for social. I think it's great for the fellows. And I think it's also great for, for the player too, to, uh, you know, get back with the guys and, and, and uh, it's just a nice touch. Sanderson, again, a guy that wasn't around this group, um when uh you know when he was you know recently with the team um 
So it's a nice touch to be like, you know, this. But he the was there originally. Originally, part of the original. Yeah, they were originally exactly. together when when the Roughnecks first were there. Yeah, it, ex- exactly. So, that. so pr- pretty cool full circle moment there. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see more teams kind of do unique things like that. And maybe maybe it's not just uh, former players. Maybe some local celebrities, some local athletes, get them to to, mm-hmm. uh, to read off uh, the opening lineup. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yours? What's your PVO for the week? Uh, my PVO technically was last week, um, but we I was pretty pretty PO'd that this PVO wasn't going to make it in because pretty much as soon as we, we logged off uh, and finished our podcast last week, uh, I'm scrolling through Twitter or Instagram, whatever it may be, and I see Alex Pace um, meeting uh, his – bone marrow donor uh alex pace from the wings uh good east coast boy uh positive vibes keep rolling with this guy and and he mm-hmm. had the opportunity because although he donated anon- anonymously that donation ended up saving the man's life so he had an opportunity uh to meet him meet his family and it was a really special moment um on on social i don't know if you can still see it because i think it might have been an instagram post but i know the local i think it was the fox station uh did a story on it so just type in alex pace uh lacrosse it'll come up on google really really cool moment and man alex pace uh, the, the the more i talk to him the more i hear about him seeing him in halifax what a special party is of of that community uh, and then seeing this uh, dude's dude's a really really nice guy a really special guy uh character person yeah, it was an awesome story that came away, and you're right. We were both like, oh, crap, do we want to go back and add that in? But um, save it for a, a, another day, and, and that was this week. And, yeah, just such a great story. And we see so many teams do things with children's hospitals and obviously, you know, uh, cross-out cancer games and the Tucker Out Lymphoma Night that's coming up this week for Buffalo, the National Cross League, and, and all – pro leagues do such a great job in giving back to the communities and especially the health community um, in ways like that. And, you know, when you donate blood, bone marrow, um, organs, things like that, often you do do it anonymously and you never get to meet those people. But the moment that you do uh, just brings everything together and puts sort of a cap around things. So, must have been such an incredible moment for Alex Pace to to be in that situation and see uh, another person's life that he helped save. So um, just a friendly reminder, get yourself on those donor lists um, and you never know who's going to need something that you have that will help save their lives. So an incredible moment, incredible positive story uh, from the lacrosse world. The Albany Firewolves are the story of the lacrosse world right now. Sitting atop the National Lacrosse League at 6-0. Their new captain, Colton Watkinson, is really a huge part of what that team has done. And they are a confident bunch. He joins us this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. Starting a season 6-0 is something new to most players. Almost probably everybody on the Albany Firewolves. But Colton Watkinson is their captain, and he is the leader of this group. Uh, how are you, man? How's things? I'm doing well. I, I mean, like you said, six no's. So um, I don't think I could be doing much better right now. It's uh, It's been a good start to the year. Happy with 
the character, the group, and obviously the young guys uh, have been showing out so far. So can't be going much better. I want to start with, with the captaincy. Obviously, Brett Manny uh, was the longtime captain for this group, even when you guys were up there in New England. Uh, what it mean? What did it mean to you to to be given that honor to succeed him in that role as captain of this group? I mean, it's something I've I've told him I think a few times, but he I think he was he's going to go down as one of the best leaders I've I've had the pleasure of sharing the floor with and um, being my captain. So it uh, to come come along after him it meant a lot, um, especially the the shout out the video shout out um, that he made for for us to present the leadership group and conversations that I had with him kind of going into this year. Um, it's all meant a lot. He's, he's a terrific player, terrific human being, and uh, it's hard to fill those shoes. <laughs> yeah. He's certainly one of the, uh, one of the best leaders, but also Teddy and I, uh, one of our favorite guys to sit back and chat. So uh, no pressure that you've got big <laughs> shoes to fill in now, but no, in all seriousness, um, I want to start from the beginning, really, because obviously you had a very unique path to the National Lacrosse League. But before we even get there, uh, how does a young Colton Watkinson find the game of lacrosse? You know what? Um, I, I was uh, I found it through my older cousin, uh, Kyle. He uh, he used to live close to me in Oakville. So I was uh, well, growing up single mother and same with him. So I was around him a lot. Um, so I, I went to a few Oakville Hawk games back in the day and watched him play and that's that's ultimately what what drove me to get into lacrosse and i guess love the game was just trying to be like my older cousin what were you like as a young lacrosse player uh, i played offense at that point but again th- everyone does so i would say <laughs> I'm pretty similar to how i am now um fast guy on the floor maybe not uh, scoring as many goals but i like to think that i can kind of do a little bit of everything, jack of all trades, uh, fairly well. So I'd say I was probably pretty similar back then as well. Patty was asking how you got into lacrosse, and you know you mentioned the Oakville Hawks, where you played a lot of your junior B lacrosse. Uh, I was looking at the stats; like you only played a single game of junior A. So how does a guy that played an entire junior B career and was the last pick in the MSL draft work his way in the top ten of the NLL draft? Sticking with it. Um, I, I, for me, I think uh, loyalty is, is a big thing. Um, and at the, the point in my career, junior-wise, where I, I possibly could have made that jump up to junior A, it was a point where I was already the captain um, of the buzz, and I'd been so for a couple of years, and it was getting to be around playoff time, and it just didn't make sense for me to leave that group of guys to kind of start something new. So um, that obviously led me to sticking around there, and um, having a PG year at the Hill, um, helped me progress and develop a little bit more cause I was super raw going in there. And then, um, I had a red shirt year down at limestone and all those, uh, I guess the four years after that red shirt year, it was just a lot of development, a lot of time with the stick in my hands and just committing to the game. Uh, lucked out to play with a lot of good players at limestone, um, that are either still playing or possibly could have been if, if that was their, their main career objective. Um, and it brought a lot of eyes to me and it helped me kind of continue to progress my game as well. So a lot of credit to coaches that I've had kind of from that time on and guys that I've played with, honestly. You mentioned limestone. Uh, 
a rich history of bringing Canadians down. What was the, the the biggest decision or main decisions that made you choose limestone ultimately? <laughs> this one is is uh, it's it's a couple things to be honest. Um, I think everyone wants to go Division One, but unfortunately, I, I it wasn't my ultimate plan to prepare and to to go play NCAA lacrosse. So I, I shut a few doors on myself. I wasn't uh, I didn't have the core courses to be able to do that. Um, and Limestone was a team that I went to the one recruiting tournament that the Reebok Top 100 uh, in Toronto. Um, I went to that one tournament, which is where I got seen by the Hill and Limestone. And they're a team that was adamant they wanted me there from day one. Um, they had the championship pedigree, the the coaches, um, and obviously knowing that it was kind of a Canadian friendly and wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be a, a place where I'd be going that. Um, I'd have to have that culture shock of not having anyone from back home around me. So it was, it was a bunch of things that kind of contributed me going to limestone. Uh, but looking back on it now is probably one of the best decisions I've made in my, my life. Um, I'm a big fish, small pond type of guy, and that's exactly what it was. And it allowed me to, to develop to where I am right now. So super thankful for, for the coaching staff and everyone over there. Are the rumors true that there's absolutely nothing to do in Gaffney, South Carolina? Well, I wouldn't say nothing, but if you're looking for a metropolis, that's the, I would say, yeah, the rumors are definitely true. Uh, the one, the one bar that we did have there suds is, uh, it's closed down and not open anymore. So I'm not sure what they do for fun. Probably go to Charlotte or Greenville. They're both about 45 minutes away, but yeah, there's, there's not a lot there. <laughs> well, what was, you know, playing there like, because, you know, you guys went on a historic run with that limestone team and, and winning championships. And like, I was a Mercer's guy. We hated you guys. Um, we hated Adelphi. What was it like just being the top dogs at D2? It, it was, it was, it was good. Um, but it, it was, it was a tough, a tough place to be in as well. Right. Because you kind of, you, you can't read your press clippings. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of great players. I think that's what, what started all of that out was, um, at any given time, I think on the field, we had probably about 75% Canadian guys. And I, like I've said before in the, during our chat here, a lot of those guys are still playing in the, the NLL yeah. or the PLL. So there was a lot of talent. Um, but I, I would say the hardest thing being that dominant is reading your own press clippings and starting to, I think around 2016 was my second last year. We were, I don't want to say we were running the offense loosely and not listening to coach, but we were able to get away with a lot of things that in that championship game, Lemoyne being a very strict defensive team didn't let us get away with. Um, yeah. So that was probably one of the harder things was staying focused, staying um, together as, as a group and, and having that collective message and goal of, we want to continue to kind of win, win games, but we want to win championships. And so um, coach Clark, coach story or coach Kennedy, um, all those guys that were there during that period of time uh, really drilled into us that we were we were going to continue to be that blue collar team. We had ETS Monday mornings, so 5 a.m. Mondays we were we were on the field um, doing workouts. We we're in the weight room with Coach Lamb, and um, they they really drove that culture and kept us uh, kept us in a state of constantly wanting to improve um, and get better. And I think that was probably the hardest thing for the leadership groups and, and coaches to, to be able to do for us. Lemoyne, there's another team I can't stand at all. Um, <laughs> you, you talk, so I, I can see sort of the similarities 
you know, as you're talking about that limestone group with how this Albany team is, you're just playing some unbelievable lacrosse. It's hard not to read your press clippings. The offense is playing a free flowing style of lacrosse as now the leader of that group. How do you maintain the momentum, the composure and the positive attitude? Yeah, it's not easy. Um, what makes it easier is the character uh, that we have across the room, whether it's our leadership uh, council, our leadership team, all the way down to those rookies that we're bringing in this year, whether they're it's Nick Volkov as a, as a 19, 20-year-old, or it's Ty Kurtz and Simmer who have had those extra years of university or coming in a little bit older. Um, there's, there's character and there's leadership throughout our team, and I think that that is something you can't have too much of um, because you need leaders at every level. You need people that are going to be out in front of the group and, and picking up that rope and, and pulling it forwards for everyone else to follow. So it's something we're not short on. Um, and I think that that is so far in this season has been the biggest thing for us because it doesn't need to be one guy or two guys that are scoring on offense or uh, shutting people down on defense. We're going to try and do everything collectively as a group. Um, and that's, that's the messaging that, that we've had so far this year. I think over the last couple of years, the identity of this team has been obviously you look at Doug Jamison between the pipes and, and the young, fast, athletic defense. But this year, a little more focus on the offense. But I, I feel like last game defensively, you guys really felt, you know, found your stride. What's working for you guys defensively uh, over the last couple of games? Well, I mean, Doug Jamison playing lights out doesn't doesn't hurt. Um, <laughs> doesn't hurt he's, been, he's been doing that all year. He's he's a goalie of the year candidate every year. Or he should be. Um, and that's where it starts. That's where our team starts every year is with Dougie. Um, but I mean, we got a new lot of new pieces uh, back on the back end for us. So it's it's it takes some time, um, just like it does offensively, to kind of get comfortable with who you're playing and um, mm-hmm. for myself and. Nards and uh, and uh, Jackson Ishimura, we all had some knee stuff that we were coming back into this year, them having kind of major major surgeries and injuries and me having kind of a cleanup. So we had to get our footing back a little bit. So with the young guys on D playing the way they are, Dougie obviously doing what he does and, and kind of some of these older guys getting a little bit more comfortable. Um, I'm hoping that's the game we played against Georgia is just kind of the start of things to come, right? And Again, we just got to keep building, building those those building building blocks and stepping stones because um, it's a long year. Uh, it's a, it's an every, any given weekend type of league, and it's going to take the defense playing that way and the offense playing the way they have for for us to ultimately continue to to push for where we want to go. You you mentioned some of the older guys starting to get more comfortable, <laughs> and the one name that kind of just popped in my mind is is Mike Byrne. You've been around him for a while. He's been around this team for for a bit, but it feels like he's he's taken his game to the next level. Um, shameless plug here for me. I obviously coached him in junior, but uh, <laughs> what have you seen from him um, that he's been able to 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 be such a contributing factor on this defense? Mike Byrne is is someone people need to learn more about and start looking him up and watching his game because. He is a water bug out there. He's all over the floor. He's tough. He's gritty. He's not the biggest guy, but he's he's not afraid. He's not afraid to go up against talent. He's not afraid to go up against grit. Um, and he does everything we need him to do and more. 
Um, he's someone that he's not, he's not going to be on the highlight reels. Um, but again, he's, he's the glue to this team. And, and that's again, one of the reasons that I think we are being so successful is every guy is doing what they need to do, um, to make us successful. And yeah, huge shout out to Mikey Byrne. I don't think he knows how good he is, which is great for us. Um, but he's a fantastic player and, uh, I'm, I'm lucky to play with him. I, I still can't believe that, uh, we called him up undrafted his first game. He was taken face-offs against Jake Withers. He got, I think he got like five, five zippers in his chin. Um, and he was wearing uh, he was wearing like a number 54 Jersey, no nameplate. Um, so for, for, a guy, for a guy to, to, to come off the street, I guess that would have been maybe 2018, 2019. I think it was 2018 um, for him to come off the street and be undrafted and, and carve out a niche for himself in this league speaks to his character and ultimately his game. And yeah, Mike Byrne is fantastic. What a, what a teammate as well. You mentioned Nick Volkoff earlier, uh, Patrick Castro's in his second year. He turned into a real nice transition threat for you guys. Um, but we've been praising Zach Young uh, on this week's show about how good he is and, uh, Clem Durazio liking him, his gameplay to Robert Hope last weekend. Uh, just talk to us about how good this young man has been. Well, all three of them, but yeah, I mean, I mean, younger, he's, uh, he might be the youngest old guy I've ever met. He is, uh, he's an old soul. He, sometimes you think he might be reading the newspaper in the locker room with a black coffee, but no, he's, he's fantastic. He's, he, he continues to get better. Um, his, his game is going to be, very fun to watch even as it is now. I mean, I can only imagine what he's going to look like in five years. Um, so yeah, a guy like him, the more, the more time on the floor he gets, the more his mind can, can process that information. He's going to be in those right spots. He's, he's going to be great in this league for, for years to come. And you mentioned, I mean, Nick Volkoff, same thing. He's a young guy to come in as a D guy in this league is, is so hard. Um, but game after game he keeps improving he's going to be a weapon for us and patty Kaschuk, uh, he's labeled as a d guy i think i don't even think he's a transition yeah. on our roster so um <laughs> i mean yeah he's he's fantastic as well we have i mean all those guys right like that's that's a lot of character a lot of talent from from young guys in our roster and i think ultimately we have we have a lot of first second round picks on on this team um so as long as as, as they're developing like they are it's it's exciting to see this group, obviously, at the start of the year, out the front door, were kind of coined the short kings because um, you didn't have a lot of size out that door. What has allowed, you know, Simmons and Kurtz, even Longboat and Firth and Grennan, like all these guys, like this is one of the most complete offenses in the National Cross League, but they just don't get the hype. Obviously, Simmons and Kurtz are, but this is a group that's really opening a lot of people's eyes. Yeah. I mean, size doesn't necessarily dictate character and heart. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't think any one of those guys on our, on our O end are afraid to set a pick or go to the middle. I mean, Marsh threw a fantastic BTB to, um, to Furthy there uh, in the middle against Georgia and he got creamed, but he scored a goal first. And I think that that kind of shows you the character that we're dealing with. Um, on the offensive side of our ball, uh, of the ball, um, a lot of character, a lot of talent. And I think that that's kind of the ultimate, um, let's say the ultimate compliment you, you might be able to mm -hmm. give to an offense that is undersized is that they aren't afraid. Um, I mean, 
you got Simmer out there. He he likes to stir the pot. He's not afraid. He's not going to back down. Uh, he's not going to fight someone. I, and I don't want him to, right? But you just yeah. got to show that that you got you got a strong spine, and you're not going to shy away when when teams are, are playing rough with you. And that's happened already this year. Um, they've they've tried to <laughs> they've tried to kind of scare them into into not playing, not going to the middle. Um, and it doesn't doesn't happen for long. Might might stop them for a half or a quarter. Um, but someone on that offense is is going to step up and is going to make a play. And last weekend, right, Travis Longboat, I, I think I told him a couple of weeks ago, I said, man, you might be the most underrated offensive guy in the league because um, he's fantastic. And he's coming off yeah. a, a serious knee injury from, from last year um, from us in training camp. So it, it's just great to see. There's just a lot of characters, character throughout the team, and, uh, and, and there's grit without us having to, to show it and beat up our chest. Um, as long as we stick with it, I think that's that's kind of what you, what what toughness is 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 continuing to to beat your head against the wall, continuing to run in and set picks and get slashed and get hit. Um, it's something that they're showing all year. Three wins last year, six wins already. I'm I'm sure the vibe of the team is definitely a little bit better than it was last year. But even though when you guys were losing games, being around the team a couple of times, covering your games. It's, it still seemed like you guys had a really positive attitude. Does the losing season kind of allow this win and this start to the season feel even better? Yeah, that might've been the toughest year of lacrosse I've ever had. And I think if you asked anyone that was on that team, they would probably say the same thing. Um, it, it makes it feel sweeter but it's, it is crazy to kind of see where, where we started slash ended last year, I guess. Um, a couple of the rookies have made some jokes, right? They don't, they just still don't know what losing feels like, which <laughs> don't start I mean, that talk. <laughs> no, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm able to curb that pretty quickly and, it, and yeah. it's a joke. I mean, it's, it's yeah. a joke at some point. I'm sure there's, there's going to be a loss on the year and it's how we respond to it. But yeah, it does make the start of this year feel a little bit sweeter because of what we had to go through last year, especially, like I said, those guys that were on the team last year, it didn't change our mood. It didn't change the persona that the team had. And again, bringing up Brett Manny, John LaFontaine, guys like that. That's where, that's where leadership comes in. Um, but this year definitely feels a little bit different and definitely is a little bit sweeter to start out like this, doubling our, our, our win totals from last year. Obviously, uh, another big game for you guys this weekend at home against San Diego. What kind of threats does that group offensively pose trouble for your defense? Talent. I mean, there's talent across that team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, ultimately, it might not be the team's mindset, but my mindset is we look internally, we play our game. Um and I truly believe that if, that if we play our game and we bring the character that I know we have, um, we're going to we're going to be successful. It might be a tight game. We might lose. But at the end of the day, that's all you can do. Um, so we're going to we're going to we're going to cover those uh, those talented uh, lefties as, as best we can. We're going to we're going to try and push those righties up the boards. We're going to try and push transition, uh, get the balls out of their sticks. But ultimately, we're, we're just going to come in. We're going to play our game. We're going to play it hard. Um, and hopefully we get the outcome we want. Who runs your guys' uh, kangaroo court, and who's got the most fines? <laughs> um, so we, we gave the honor of our kangaroo court this year to Patty Kaschuk. He's uh, he's he's kind of like a, a super rookie in some some aspects because he came in last year as a rookie at I think twenty four, 
This year he's 25. We we voted him uh, as our NLLPA rep this year as well. So, I mean, he's one of those guys that takes on a lot of that character and leadership responsibility without having the, the accolades or the titles of being on the leadership council. So he runs it. Um, he might be the most fine guy. Uh, at, least last, <laughs> at least last year he was because he loves finding himself max fines as much as possible uh, oh to God. kind of put put money in that pot right he loves he loves money in the pot um but Volkov I think was I mean he came in as a 20 year old at the start of this year he got fined a lot in camp trying to figure some things out so um that subsided a little bit so it's it's one of those two either Nick Volkov or uh, Patty Kaschuk for sure that's hilarious um dude this has been awesome uh again one junior a game an entire career junior b and, and I found out that you and Patty played against each other you remember a young pack Gregoire and junior B a Markham, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The I had, the yeah. Before we moved to West Durham. <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I, I couldn't tell you what or when we played, but, uh, I, I'm going to have to try and pull up some of those, uh, those stats to see what, uh, what and how you played that, uh, that game. <laughs> a, a lot of, a lot of line, lines of zero stay at home. D guy, blue guy, <laughs> Good chirps. Yeah, that's uh, that's the player that I was. So <laughs> I can only imagine. I was probably running my mouth at that time too. Probably, right? Uh, it, I, I there's one game I know for sure that you're gonna look, and it's gonna the buzz definitely got the best of us. I think Ian Duffy, if you remember that name, oh, was in between dude. the pipes, and uh, yes. yeah, we we got we got we got uh, we got a hand it to it. I forget the arena that you guys played in at that time smaller um, yes yeah 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 so yeah, yeah. had some, was had some on. tough was, ones there oh yeah that was early with, with duffy and that still i was still a young pup coming into uh the junior ranks yeah absolutely absolutely <laughs> <laughs> this was awesome buddy uh six and oh start what it was start for you in the club uh i know it means a whole bunch to that organization but so would a whole bunch more wins congratulations on the hot start uh super Super happy for you and everything that's going on and all your success. So thanks for the time, brother. Drive safe, and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate you having me on, and love your uh, your podcast. Keep up what you guys are doing, and always happy to jump on if you, if you need me again. Great stuff, as always, from Colton Watkinson. It just blows my mind that the guy only played one junior A game and was a projected second rounder, then found a way to jump into the first round, and he's been a steady presence for that Black Wolves, Fire Wolves organization. So appreciate him coming on uh, and joining the show. Um, I know you're a big fan of his. Been a big fan of, of his game for, for quite some time. I, I played against him in junior B. Uh, he was a menace. He was a mutant for Oakville. Um, and just as things progressed, I was like, how is this guy not playing junior A? I coached against him. This guy should be playing junior A. Like, I, I do not know what's going on. And then, um, you know, he gets drafted to, to Brooklyn. And next thing you know, his the just his, the trajectory of his career completely changes. Mm-hmm. But when you look at him, he's like, what, six, six, four, six, five. You know, 200 and odd pounds, a freak, fast, athletic. Um, stick kills, skills have come a long way. There's no doubt about that. Um, but just an absolute horse for this Albany team. And, uh, you know, him being captain, obviously, is, uh, you know, very important and special to him. And, um, 
crazy to think i mean, i know time like what a wild concept but like to think that he is the old wily vet on this yeah, team now yeah. is just just crazy to me <laughs> week eight in the national cross league five games on schedule just one friday night but it is a very very special one it is the 10th annual tucker out lymphoma night riptide bandit it is going to be an electric atmosphere in there obviously the bills play at home on sunday Fingers crossed the weather in Erie County isn't terrible so that fans can get both events. But, hey, good thing the Bandits play indoors because that would solve everybody's problems for the Bills, right? <laughs> little tongue-in-cheek there. Of yeah, a little tongue-in-cheek. Um, again, the Riverside coming off that loss to Panther City, they're going to want to bounce back. But this is just such a special night. Both teams will be wearing the uh, auctionable jerseys. Have you been to one of these? I have you not. Do a I have not. It's it's on the lacrosse bucket list. I've had a couple opportunities yeah. to go and just hasn't hasn't worked out. Um, but it is it is a, such a special night. And Dave Buchanan, uh, a sideline reporter for the Buffalo Bandits, actually brought up a great tweet today to kind of refresh folks' uh, memories that uh, you know the Riptide have a have a tie um, to this as well. Um, yes. Governor of the Riptide, Eric Baker. Um, I believe it's his son Cam also going through uh, treatment as well. So uh, the Riptide, uh, the Bandits, playing not just for Tucker. They're playing for Cam. They're playing for all the others who weren't or aren't able to. So it's a special night. Um, I, I know the the Desert Dogs don't play. So that probably means that there's a chance that Sean Williams will be yep. hopefully in the building. Um, maybe Dyson and Delana can, can get away from school and, and come up and, and take that night in um, regardless of the Williams family uh, is in the crowd or are not. Um, I know a lot of family will still be there and uh, bandit land themselves will, will support, but most importantly, uh, Tucker will be in the building, mm-hmm. smiling down. Crazy to think we're already at year 10. Saturday night, Georgia at Toronto. Can the Swarm slow down the red-hot Toronto Rock? Uh, these two teams always play great, uh, entertaining games against each other. Swarm coming off the loss, Rock coming off a win. Uh, two Titans uh, clashing in Hamilton. Uh, are you excited for this one? I know it's not a TSN game, but I know you'll be watching. I wish it was a TSN game. It's TSN plus. So that's fine. I'll be tuning in for sure. This is a big one. Uh, Every time Georgia and Toronto meet, it's, it's not really technically a rivalry. I would say Um, doesn't have the animosity that maybe a Toronto Buffalo, a Toronto Halifax, a Georgia Philly has, Mm -hmm. but it just seems these two teams always put on a good show. Uh, Lyle, uh, anytime that you have an opportunity to go see him, go see him. So if you're in the hammer, if you're in Southern Ontario, go and watch. But for me, the thing that I'm looking for, the thing that I'm doing all week long is refreshing that transaction page. I said it on on daily dive. I'll say it here. There is no indication. It's not like I talked to Jamie Dalek about it. It's not like Mike Hancock gave me a heads up or Tom Schreiber himself. But I just have a feeling this is going to be the game that Tom Schreiber makes his season debut. He was in Halifax. He was a full participant in morning shoot around. He looked great. 
Um, talking to Jamie after the game, though, he did tell me that he was sitting with Tom Schreiber the entire game, and you could feel and the way he was talking that <laughs> yeah. uh, he wanted to be out there and he was dying to yeah. get out there. So I think it's almost time, and I think the time is now against Georgia. And the the one thing I did want to mention too is. And this just goes to talk, show the, the the character that Schreiber is. So shoot around's done. He's still out there shooting by himself, getting his reps in. And Mackie, myself, and John were just chatting on the bench. Um, I think we might have been waiting for Chris Bushy uh, to come out to, to have a quick chat with him. And we're, we're seeing Schreiber. He's, he's done shooting, and all we hear is this clunk, 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 clunk. Look on the floor. Tom Schreiber probably shot about almost a hundred balls. He's out there picking up every single one, putting them in the bucket for, for cleanup. That's the best, one of the best players in the world, picking up yeah. the balls, doing the rookie duty, making sure the equipment manager doesn't have to come out and clean up the floor. All class from Captain America. Um, they do play the bandits next weekend. So I'm sure you'd probably like to get a, a rep or two in before that game. So yeah, I could, I could see it. I could see it happening. Yeah, I don't know if that's the the you want to that to be your first game back. Right. Oh, diving back in, uh, definitely getting a rep in would certainly go a long way for Tom Schreiber. But we'll have to wait and see. Keep your eyes peeled on the transaction page. Uh, talking with Colton Watkinson about San Diego Albany. This is a Nardella. Baptiste yes. face-off duel, two of the best uh, in the business. Uh, I can't wait. But another, again, another big test for this Albany team to show if they're for real. They've beaten Halifax. They've beaten Georgia. Now they're taking on San Diego, one of the you know the hottest teams in the league right now, along with Albany. I don't want. To, there's so many good games this weekend. I think this this is probably the marquee game of the weekend between these two clubs. Hot take until Albany loses Uh-oh. every single. Oh, are we good? Yeah. I was saying, Oh, hot take coming. <laughs> A hot take coming in. Um, until Albany, Albany loses. They are the yeah. marquee matchup. They are the marquee sure. matchup until they lose. And it just so happens though, they're going up against a great team in San Diego they went one and one last week. They're probably pissed off that they didn't yeah. go two and zero. Oh. And I, I mean, when Audie Stotts and Doug Jameson, oh, best buddies, two boys. yeah, two guys that you know have won Minto Cups together. They've won Man Cups together now. Uh, but when they get on the floor, they're going to want to best each other. So that is the matchup that I'm looking for. Um, who has the advantage? They know each other so well. Sometimes yeah. people say the goalie's got the advantage. Sometimes the shooter's got the advantage. Well, we're, we're going to find out exactly who has the advantage between those two. Warriors at rush. Uh, Warriors need to find a victory. And can Frank continue his teleplay? Now, is this just Frank being <coughs> excuse me, Frank being Frank? For the first half of the season, like, is this the same story, chapter after chapter, that we see from Frank? Or do we think he's going to be able to sustain this type of play? Because we talk about how good Rose has been and Dougie has been. Frankie has been right up there with his numbers lately. 
I think with the exception of that Halifax game, if you took yeah. that away and even, you know, gave them, you know, half the effort, uh, I, I think he, his numbers are significantly better. And even the Rochester game, um, you know, for, for, for him at least, I, I think it wasn't until the second half that he started to heat up. But this is this is the Frank Chiliano, the last couple of games, especially in that Albany game. I know they lost, but that second half, what we saw from him was was unbelievable. He's mm-hmm. against Vegas, he had an 88.4 save percentage, and then against Albany, an 80 points. Uh, sorry, yeah, against Albany, 80.7. Um, if he can play like that, Saskatchewan's going to win a lot more lacrosse games. I think it's it's very apparent that the offense um, has found their footing earlier than maybe a lot of people expect. Um, but it's the defense and it's Chiliano that I think a lot of pressure is going to come up, come up, come to him here. Yeah. And again, I don't think you even care. I don't think you care if he's going to fizzle out. Like just ride ride it and and see if this start is real and worry about it later. Um, I don't think the bye week actually helps Saskatchewan. I think it actually hurts them because I, I think they might have even been coming off a bye, so it might be a double bye for them. It just feels like we haven't seen them in forever. Yeah. We haven't yeah. seen them since, what, New Year's Eve? Really? I don't – I mean, you can fact-check me. I'm fact-checking that, right now. Yeah, New Year's that, Eve was their last game. Uh, oh, the Philly game was canceled this weekend. Last yes, that's what, but that's what I'm saying. So we have yeah, because of that. Bye. Yeah, yeah. So Crazy. we we haven't seen them in it will be what twenty days, yeah, three weeks. That's a long time off. Sometimes that's good yeah. to, to to figure out the bumps yeah. and bruises, but sometimes it could be a bad thing. You you get out of funk. Uh, Rush will be throwing it back to the Syracuse Smash uh, with their blackout jerseys uh, for this game. I put out a tweet. Uh, on Wednesday night, I found a post on Facebook in one of the lacrosse discussion groups that we're all, for some reason, a part of. We don't discuss anything. We just creep. Uh, but I saw, uh, like, a 1978 Saskatoon Aztecs team that competed <laughs> yeah. in the President's Cup. And I was like, oh, this would be a sick throwback for the Rush to do one night. But then, of course, Ty Marrow had to ruin the fun. And he said, yeah, when I think of Saskatoon, I think of Aztecs. Well, do you there think must be some correlation? I would love to. And and if you are listening to the show, if you're a lacrosse historian, whether in Saskatchewan or just in Canada itself, please let us know the background to that because yeah. I think that's that is phenomenal. Uh, I would like to see some of these teams that maybe don't have the history of the National Lacrosse League behind them. And and kudos to the Rush for thinking outside of the box uh, in yeah. creating these jerseys. Yes, I know they were never the you know. They were they weren't the crush when they were in Edmonton or when they were in Saskatchewan. They they've changed the name obviously on the jersey. It's still the same logo. So you know, great job on them. Are the jerseys a little bit ugly? Yeah, they are ugly, but I like them ugly because that's what the yeah. jerseys were in the nineties. They 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 looked like that and they were cool back then. Nostalgia vibes for sure. But I'd love to see a Halifax. Um, you know, some of these other teams that maybe didn't have an NLL team before mm. go back to their lacrosse roots and find out where some of the teams that were there before them, whether it's senior or junior, and do some yeah. sort of homage uh, there. That'd I think that would be cool. really cool. Absolutely. Uh, final game of the weekend, Calgary at Colorado. Like, 
Is there anything any ever, ever better than Calgary playing Colorado? Um, a must-win game for Colorado. They cannot afford to drop to one and five. Uh, it would be a good test uh, on the road for the surging Roughnecks. Um, Dylan Ward has looked better since those couple early starts. Um, he's starting to come into form, starting to be healthy. Christian Del Bianco was the player of the week this past week. Um, he's just—he looks like he's in mid-season form. Uh, but an interesting test for for both these clubs. Uh, what will be a cold night down in Denver? I'm looking forward to this one as well. And and you know, on paper, you look at the, the records. You know, definitely not the sexiest. But when you think of the history, when you think of what's at stake here, it's so paramount. And yeah, I think it's it's definitely a must win for Colorado. But I think for Calgary, they're thinking it's a must win because you can't drop a game to a struggling Colorado team. And you're you're starting to finally find your groove, a great victory last week against another rival. The last thing you want to do is when you take those two steps forward, take another one backwards. So uh, a a huge game for both these teams. And if you didn't notice from our parlay, (laughs) I think this is a game where both goalies say, hey, 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 we are the best in the world and they go toe to toe and it's a low scoring slug fest. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be as much as say already the marquee matchup. This is just going to be one of those games. We must see TV Uh, time for uh, NLL Jersey journey, where we pick one player uh, anonymously to the other. And we let you all know this person's playing career. We try to figure out who it is. Um, brought to you by Grand Perils, NLLstats.com, where we find so much history and backtracks of players' journey. So, Patty, who is this player? Started with the Baltimore Thunder for a year. Went to the Ontario Raiders for a year. Stayed with the franchise. Played with the Toronto Rock for three years. Then he went to Vancouver with the Ravens for three years before being traded to Calgary for a season. Flipped to Colorado for one year, then back to then he went to Edmonton for a year and a half, and then back to Colorado for two and a half years. Who is this National Lacrosse League player? This one's like kind of kind of easy, but also very tough at the same time. Um because kind of easy, really. Well, because then you just look and you go, you know, okay. Ontario, it, it narrows it down. But then again, there's just so many legends on that team that took so many different paths. Um, so I was thinking like, so you mentioned, okay, it's Toronto or Ontario, then Toronto. So I was thinking, is it is it Dan Stroop? Like I know he played for Vancouver. Uh, yeah, he played for yeah. Colorado. He played for Edmonton, but I don't know if he ended up playing for Calgary. And I think he maybe played for Portland in the mix there too. He did. Could it be? He did. Could it be him? Maybe. I'm trying to think who else could be on that. So like just kind of going through the roster in my head here, um, you know, of that team, you've got Coyle, you've got Clark, not, not, none of them. A Kersey, nope, not a Kersey. Sean Williams, not Sean Williams. 
and I'm trying to think who okay who who could it who could it be because he goes from like the east to the west so that leads me to believe that he's probably a western guy who else is on that team who else was on that team? <laughs> the, who was out oh uh does it help that he's won three Chris Gill? Is it Chris Gill? Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. You see that this one, that was one of the tougher ones. See, that's why I said yeah. it's easy because it's like, okay, Ontario, only one year of that Ontario Raiders team. Yeah. But it's like, okay, now you got to pick that out. Who on that team was there? So uh, it took me a while to get there, but I got there. Uh oh, Again, keeping with the theme of of uh, of uh, coaches, because yeah, well, that uh, it's guys who've been, you know, it's funny because like I was thinking of when I was picking them, then I was looking at you know other coaches that are in the league, and other than um, Eddie Camo and Sawyer in Toronto, I played with or against every head coach in the National Crossing, or played for for Paul Day. That's insane. That's I'm, insane. I am washed. I am watching. <laughs> well, before we, we we get roll like get going here into our next segment uh, on the topic of that Raiders team, I just what, the amount of NLL coaches um, on that oh. team. So Mike Kersey, yeah, um, Glenn Clark, yeah, Pat Coyle, yeah, uh, Colin Doyle. I guess is uh, he's a, a an assistant associate coach with the Toronto Rock. Yeah. Chris Gill, not in the league Tim currently. Was but a coach for a bit. Yes, Pat Jones. Um, I want to say Stroopy. Yeah, Stroopy was a coach. Yep, Steve Toll. Uh, you mentioned Veltman, Bob Watson, goalie coach in San Diego. Uh, Rob Williams, yeah. obviously, lot, lots of experience, and, and Sean Williams as well. I might be missing someone there, but uh, Brian Beasel. Was, yeah, was Be- yeah, coach in Calgary. Yeah, Beasel was a co- coach in Calgary. So, I, I mean, yeah. it is – we always talk about the Les Bartley coaching tree, which is just yeah. remarkable. Um, but that stretches, you know, far beyond just the one year. But the fact that you yeah. look at this roster, the one year that you – know, just who would have ever thought looking in that room, like they would be thinking like, okay, you, 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 we're all going to coach against each other as well. Yeah. In the national it would have been easier to pick which guys were hall of famers than which guys were going to be. NLL. <laughs> oh, um, all right. So you win this week's NLL Jersey journey. Pat will have one for me next week. Uh, let's keep with the winning formula and try and win you all some money. Time now for box bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, from across the world of lacrosse. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> Last week, we didn't do so good. San Diego, Las Vegas went under 23 and a half. Georgia didn't cover the one and a half. Vancouver didn't cover the one and a half. New York did, but... When you win one of four, it doesn't get you anywhere. Uh, so let's reset, recalibrate, and give the fans another opportunity. This week's parlay, Albany plus one and a half. They're going up against a very stout San Diego team. Um, again, they are the underdogs. But the way they've been playing, they're playing like giant 
mean, mangy dogs, and they don't even have to win this game as long as they keep it within one and a half goals. So we've got Albany plus one and a half. Vancouver at Saskatchewan over 23 and a half. The way these two teams have been playing, we expect lots of goals in the freezing cold of Toontown. And then the third bet on our card, Calgary, Colorado, the opposite. Two great goaltenders, two great defenses, two struggling offenses. Give us the under at 22 and a half between the Roughnecks and Mammoth. Straight up, that would pay you out at 520. But thanks to our friends over at Cool Bet, Pat. Looking at a plus 600 payout. And of course, you can find that at the exclusives tab. Go to the side there. If you're on mobile, it's near the top. Click that exclusive tabs. You'll see our parlay there. You'll see the lax class parlay there. You might even see some daily specials. The lock shop partner parlay, Edmonton Sports. Okay. Nah, don't do the Edmonton. Don't do that. They're dead. Although they're a wagon right now. So maybe bet Who's maybe that? bet on the Oilers. Maybe bet on yeah. the Oilers. Why wouldn't you bet on the all? We got a tough one tonight. I don't know. We we've been using the theme or the strategy, I should say, of with Albany. Well, they got to lose at some point, and that hasn't been yeah. working for ourselves. And I know there's been a lot of betters who have been doing the same thing with the Oilers. Well, they can't keep winning, can they? Well, they're 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 continuing to win and win and win and win. So I would say ride the hot hand. And keep yeah, betting the Oilers, but more importantly, it's the cracking man. You just you never know. It's the cracking coming to town. Bet the off the cross podcast parlay. Uh, it's up there. It's in the exclusive tab. And if you're looking to join in on the fun, become a cool better. Bet on the National Lacrosse League. Bet on UFC this weekend in Toronto. Bet on the NFL playoffs this weekend. A lot of options, and it's a great time to become a cool better. Go to coolbet.com. Hit that little green button, join. And once you do, tap that green button again, deposit. Big news as well, folks. Apple Pay is an option for payment Ooh. at Coolbet Mobile. So just with a click of the button, a quick deposit, uh, you can get some funds into your account. And before you do that, don't forget to put in the bonus code OTCB. So the folks at Coolbet will know where you came from, but also it will double your first deposit up to $200. And as we always say, thanks for our friend, the cool bet. Stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, your boy, Dustin Nelson, uh, put out a tweet earlier today. It said, I just realized you can see the number of money and tickets coming in on every game at Cool Bet Canada. What does that mean for the better? Yeah, so it's it's a pretty cool, unique feature. And I know Cool Bet uh, – you know, prides themselves off being the most transparent sports book uh, on the market. So there's a lot of unique features, and this is one of them. So head to the website. We're going to click the NHL. We've got a lot of hockey talk, a lot of Oilers talk. We know, or at least we think, the Oilers are a very public team at Coolbet. So go down. You'll see Kraken. You'll see Oilers. You see that little star. That's the favorite. Um, But let's click that little money sign there so you'll see the turnover one thousand five or sorry one thousand and fifty six dollars of turnover that means how much money has been placed um and it looks like 58 percent of the money right now is on the edmonton oilers to win on the money line six 
hundred and sixteen dollars and twenty seven cents for four hundred thirty nine dollars and seventy four cents on nine tickets. So there have been eighty tickets on the Oilers, only nine on the Kraken, but there's pretty even money there. So that obviously changes as it comes through. Uh, another pretty cool uh, function as well, uh, coming to uh, transparency. You click that incoming bets tab, and you can see all the different bets that come through at CoolBet, whether it's um, in Canada. You can see there's right now a, a bet on, let's see here, uh, Bear, uh, Bayern Munich and Alba Berlin basketball from Santiago, <laughs> Chile. Someone bet forty-four cents to win a dollar eighty-nine. Forty-four cents. Yeah, if you find a parlay, you can find parlays here. You just copy the ticket, hit yeah. copy ticket, and it takes you right to your your bet, and you can ride with some of the other cool betters Crazy. across the world. That's wild. Um, one other thing for you know, we always talk cool bet main sponsor here in the program um, being just you know Canadian betting. Um, but there's tons of sport books in the U.S. And our boy Hutton Jackson does a great job on breaking down the American sport betting sites and which teams are the lo- where the longest odds are and things like that. Bet Rivers has Albany at plus 1,600. Does that seem ridiculous to you? Well, of course, for the folks that are with us here, um, you know, bet, bet with cool bet. Um, we want you to stay loyal, but at the same time, to be a smart better, you got to shop around. And that's one thing that I think Hutton Jackson does a very good job of doing in full transparency. I'm a better, I have multiple sports books open mm-hmm. you shop the lines, especially when it comes to futures. Um, that's something that, you know, you definitely should do check to see where you can get the best price. Uh, right now, if you believe Albany can get it done, that is certainly the best price that I have seen. Uh, on the market and you're going to see discrepancies no doubt about that but it's it's remarkable to see um just the disrespect for <laughs> albany at some of these books down south of the border and i know a lot of things go into how much money risk you know people betting on it the lines change that way but you know uh if you are a sports better or if you're new to sports betting i would definitely give hutton jackson a follow uh especially when it comes to lacrosse he does a really good breakdown of of not just the future markets but some of the game day stuff does a really good job covering it and uh does a really nice job of explaining where all the value is because it 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 can be a little bit overwhelming uh we talked about it last week uh that the uh, seals dock or on the floor is now on tsn i have crushed it it was unbelievable um have you had a chance to watch any of them i have not uh, I definitely want to. And the fact that now it's on TSN plus makes it even easier. Um, so I will be tucking in to my couch, pulling out the, uh, the, the, the fire stick, whatever it may be. I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I don't, I'm not going to give you like, I won't give you any spoilers, but remember, so the, the, the documentary from two seasons ago, um, I think it's the season right after COVID. And do you remember when San Diego played in Vancouver and Pat Merrill wasn't on the bench? 
Did he? I briefly remember that. Did he have COVID? Yeah, so I, I remember, and I think people might have thought it was COVID. That's why he didn't travel. But then I heard rumors that um, he, he ended up being diagnosed with shingles. But oh. he ends up, I mean, mini spoiler alert, he ends up being diagnosed. Um, the, the shingles kind of stresses, like he was just under so much stress and the shingles. And then he gets um, like this really bad headache one night, he goes to the doctor, and he ends up being diagnosed with meningitis. Whoa. Yeah. So that's why he wasn't at that game. He wanted to. But he was just recovering from it all, but he he wanted to go. But Steve Gov was like, no, you, you're not coming. But yeah, he was actually diagnosed with meningitis. That's crazy. That, that's <laughs> that's wild. Yeah, so make sure you check out the SEALs doc uh, on TSN uh, up here in Canada or Prime down in the United States. It is a five doc, five series doc, and it's just absolutely unbelievable. All right, that'll do it for this week's show. Again, five games on the docket, all on ESPN Plus and TSPN. TSPN. Uh, all on TSN Plus and ESPN Plus. Uh, don't forget, check out that Seals doc. It, it is absolutely phenomenal. I know all the teams are doing some mini docs, but uh, the work that Jay Jalbert and Jalbert Productions, along with Steve Govett and everybody, um, just incredibly well shot, better than anything we've ever seen. Uh, covers the whole season. Uh, just an absolute uh, very well. I, I would love to see them do it again, but I also want to see Jalbert Productions kind of be hired on by the NLL and put them to do a different team. Like, obviously, following the Seals is phenomenal because just so many characters and, and the talking points are always there. But I'd, I'd love to see them expand to, to maybe some other teams um, and just kind of follow along like the NFL does with Harden Box and all those other things. But um, must watch. Let me know what your thoughts are. Uh, Morgan's message totals. Uh, the league is up to 839 goals for Brandon Robinson to be donating. Uh, we are at 60 goals for the Buffalo Bandits. Uh, and Mitch Blyle, who's going to double up every Jeff T goal, is at 14. Um, so, again, morgansmessage.org is the website if you would like to help out uh, and Brandon Robinson's cause to raise money for mental health awareness. Thanks you, especially to Colt Watkinson for stopping by and tuning in on this week's show. Fantastic chat with him. Um, you can follow the show at OTCB underscore podcast on Twitter. Pat is at P Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner and on the instas at OTCB podcast. Enjoy the games this week. If you're going to the game, drive safe, take a friend, if you take a friend, buy him a beer, lacrosse, beer, friends, a trifecta that goes a very long way. Enjoy the games this weekend, and as always, stay safe and be excellent to each other. Go Bills!